This episode is brought to you by my wonderful patrons. Thank you so much to my patrons. They make this podcast possible and also very fun to do because we are able to interact on a private discord where we can talk, discuss topics, and just in general help each other collect the things that we want. So thank you so much to everyone who participates there. I couldn't appreciate you more. This episode is also brought to you by myself. If you haven't already heard, I've been working on a passion project called Cardfolio. It's going to be an app that'll let you scan your cards onto your phone and add them to your virtual binder. Your virtual binder allows you to keep track of not only what you own, but you'll also be able to keep track of what you need. Are you chasing a shadowless master set? If so, Cardfolio will be able to help you keep track of your progress towards your goal so that it makes it easier to achieve it. Cardfolio doesn't just catalog your collection and manage your collecting goals, it will also allow you to see your collection like an actual investment portfolio. This means you'll be able to see how much your collection is worth, how that value has changed over time, and how your collection value breaks down by item type. For example, how much do you have in raw cards versus slab cards versus sealed items? If all of this sounds like an app you would like to download, then join my early access waiting list. I'll keep you updated with app progress, mockups, and when it's available, early beta access. So it'll be fun and it'll be great. The link for the early access waiting list will be in the description below. So go ahead and sign up if that's something that you're interested in. Hello, my friends, and welcome to season three of the Geeked Out Collecting Podcast, where we apply financial and investing principles to our favorite hobby collectibles like Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, comic books, Fortnite cards, you name it, we talk about it all. Thank you so much for being here. I am your host, Jess. So let's get started with collecting things that we love like damn adults. Here's today's episode. you could see what was going on i mean now like it's a free-for-all like you have no idea where prices should be where they actually are and then you have the looming i guess cliff of graded cards that are going to be coming like is there even a point in buying a lot of this stuff right now it's almost like you're better off just sitting and waiting on the sidelines until everything kind of settles out um and that's kind of where i am at this point just because i don't it's just hard to buy right now because there's not a, there's not really a lot of good data, really, like you've been saying. It's kind of all over the place, and it's hard to get a good read on what things actually are worth because it's it's funny. It's funny because you know, by and large, you would probably characterize what's happening in the market as like setting a bottom, right? Like you can't call the bottom, and we're talking about the broad market, but like we've we've seen a lot of things reach a level of stability or even start to rebound and trend back in the other direction, which is really interesting, at least in like the, the slab world and some of the vintage sealed market. Um, and I'd say kind of broadly as a whole, we're reaching a more like stable area. But I think a lot of that to your point is like, there's there's a lot of uncertainty, especially because we're in literally the lowest volume 
seasonal period for like eBay or collectible transactions, like the summer, especially like August into the beginning of September, worst time to be a seller, like least amount of transactional volume. Like it's just how it works. There's no holidays coming up. People are doing a lot of other things. Like it's just super, super sleepy time of the year. Right. And then you get the, you know, the same thing where you hype up into the holidays and then all that, blah, 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 right? All this stuff seasonal. Um, and it's funny because there's like a lot of people who like six months ago were dying to buy things at prices one and a half times where things sit today. But now there has been a lot of uncertainty introduced for people because they thought you know trees were going to grow to the sky right and then you know i think for us is is more like you know as both collectors and people who try to like you know might try to make some money in certain places in this hobby like as a collector i think it's just like continuing to be a real collector and what comes with that is being uber specific on what your goals are and not like being greedy right so buying very selectively like whether whether it means like hey i want this set or i want this grail item like being very honed in on what's going on there like i know i've been super patient for one or two items i've wanted you know what kind of one to three items i've wanted i've pulled the trigger on one there's another two that could take a, a long time um but I don't necessarily think, I think it's like a good time to be both a buyer and a seller right now. Like just from like where the market sits, like it's like, as just like, whatever, like you just want to buy a slab or you just want to like sell a slab. like, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, an okay time for everyone. And we, we don't know what's going to happen in the short term, right? Prognosticating on short-term price movements is usually a fool's errand, but at the end of the day, it's certainly it's certainly in a place where you know it's more attractive to buy than it was last November and last January. That's for sure, right? Because we kind of saw that like double peak there. Um, but there is a lot of uncertainty that's been introduced, and I don't think people understand how liquid this stuff is, and when they need money they're not going to be able to get it easily. I think we're going to find that out really though. When this, I think we're going to find that out though the next four to six months. I think they're going to have to realize yeah. that. They're not going to have a yeah, choice. They they're going to have to learn it. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden they, uh, you know, they don't have unemployment benefits or extended ones. They might be working again. You know, childcare is astronomically expensive, right? So even if kids are back in school, there's still always some factor there if you're working again or working more, you know, all the things we talked about with, you know, if they have to start paying student loans again, if there's, you know, different things with mortgage payments or rent moratoriums or blah, 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 foreclosures, all these things. Like if you have to come up with money to pay, you know, to put food on the table for your kid, you know, the first thing to go are, you know the luxury stuff goods. like this the luxury stuff yeah the the superfluous stuff and then you really find out that oh crap 
there might be a lot of this out there. And that's when the undercutting starts. And you're going to continue to get this, you know, I think bifurcation of the market where you've got kind of the, the, the part that's way, there's way too much supply, right? And it's always kind of been that way. And then all of a sudden, there's going to be way too much of it on the market. And then you're going to have the other side where there's still stuff that's super rare that people are pursuing on the higher end that that stabilizes or grows or, you know, continues to set all-time highs. Like it's it's kind of the same as like, and I never like to make this here it comes comparison, but it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like good companies and bad companies in the yep. stock market. Right. Like it's, it's like, it's like people, it's like, it's in what I, what, why I make that analogy is cause like, it's like what's going on under the hood. Right. Like if last year we saw like, you know, f- you know, 400 and, and it wasn't that it was like 390 or something companies in the SP 500, like, underperformed the market i think it might have been more drastic now whatever i forget the stats it's no one wants to talk about finance right now but what i'm (laughs) saying is there can be a small concentrated portion of items in the hobby that continue to trend upward and move like the market upward but there can be 90% of it that's just hot garbage and underperforming right (laughs) so so you've got you've got inflation as your as your baseline You've got like, uh, like one percent of the market that like does a high volume of growth above that, and those are like the high end, high dollar items. And then you've got all the stuff below that's super common that underperforms or has negative performance. Like that's mm-hmm. that's we could see that unwind in a big way, but that doesn't mean the overall trend of the market isn't going upward. But under the hood there can be a lot of pain for a lot of people. Oh, exactly. That is so true. I mean, we've had this conversation, you know, there's always someone left holding the bag. But what's also really interesting, too, that you've like alluded to a number of times going back to like the human psychology of it, which is really interesting. But Rudy from Alpha Investments just recently talked about this. And I agree with him because I think at one point I was this person. There's always going to be people in the market that are going to buy high because they feel really good because it's high. They feel really good. They feel really confident about it. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to buy high. And this is on anything. This is on anything. Right. And and, and then those same people, when there is that uncertainty, like right now, because I've had conversations with people before on this, they're like, oh, I'm not too sure about Pokemon, da, 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 you know, like what they should be doing is they should probably be buying right now, right? Because this is where you can mitigate your risk by managing your entry point a little bit better versus when there's a lot of, you know, buying going on, like what we saw last year with those huge ass spikes. So, I mean, you know, there's always going to be people in the market and, 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 and it's probably FOMO wrapped into it, but just people that aren't going to feel good unless they spend a lot of money for a thing. I mean, that's a tricky area too, because you don't want people just to buy because they're going to average down their investment. Um, That's what I've heard a lot of like the people, I mean, that's, that's the scary thing. Like, do you, do you buy now because there's hesitation in the market or is the hesitation not as bad as it should be because of, I mean, it also is because those slabs that are coming, 
that's also why I wouldn't <laughs> touch a lot of this stuff because of just you, there's no, the uncertainty of like how much is actually coming on the market is, is a huge it's issue. Huge. Um, yeah. And I, I don't people need... also too, just like don't have liquidity. No, like they, they spent themselves out. Right. I have liquidity, but I won't spend so, it. But, yeah, this yes. is true. But you were also like a little, like, I don't know. We're a little more rational, I think, than the average person. That's also true. But I mean, like, that's, it's just, I mean, I think that's people, they just didn't plan it out well. They just mm-hmm. saw, they just saw the opportunity to make money because so many people were making money off of it. And now that's just, I mean, even sports cards right now are getting absolutely hammered. Um, I think there was one, I think someone, I can't remember who it was. They were talking about Giannis rookie cards. They were going for four grand in January last year. He won an NBA title. They're just around, I think, 2K right now. So people even that made that bet that he was going to be a good player and he was going to win, they're still drowning in it. So there's still that, there's still that chance that that could happen in Pokemon too. I mean, cards are still up a ton. They're just not as up as much as they were in February and was it February, March? We kind of started to see the turn. I think that's when it was. Maybe April. Mm-hmm. I think when it so. Started, when people, yeah. When it started reopening more, and people wanted to sell their cards because I don't know, panic, or they just wanted to go do things. And that was something we talked about in April too: was what are they going to do to in order to go out and do all those festivals? They didn't do anything for, I guess it was what eighteen months. So instead of spending money on festivals or traveling, they spent it on Pokemon. They need to now sell that Pokemon to go and do the things that they want to do already. Um, so, I mean, that's yeah. another thing. Like, what is what is that going to look like? Because, I mean, I wonder how many of like those people are like, like I, I sometimes I think about like uh, what those people like. We'd say that a lot, and I think there was a there's certainly a lot of that. But how many of like the people still in the hobby like? do they just like to spend their money on Pokemon and stuff, right? Like, are they just like, if they, cause some people, that's just like what you do, right? Like I, they'd rather spend their money on this than take trips. Right. But I think the, there were the majority of people who came into the hype were just average people who will pick social activities over a card any day. Of course. Um, that's kind of mm-hmm. funny to think about. And then there's also that whole aspect of crypto too. Like what did that play? Like how did that play into the card value going up? Because you had Bitcoin selling at 60K or 64, I think was the high. And people probably were cashing out and being like, where can I put my money now? Like, where can I spend it? So like, this is, is that why I said it could have been anything. Yeah. There's because no it was idea. So much, it was so much of like, it's, it was just social momentum hype that, the money could have flowed anywhere. And I think we did see a short-term, very high correlation between digital assets and collectibles for sure. Because, and it goes back to that theme of folks in our generation making very quick money and looking for the next place to make very quick money. And eventually that ends very badly. I mean, we, we, we kind of saw it, right? Because we saw the crypto market get cut in half and Pokemon get cut in half. So we kind of did see an example of how that could end very badly for a lot of people, right? Um, I mean, we saw it in options easy. trading too. That was a big thing. Yeah. For, like that was, I mean, that I kind of remember that too because that was a big focal thing of 
if you were like looking for option trading, you could see TikToks, Instagram posts, YouTubes about all these get rich quick schemes, but they don't, I mean, it's the same kind of thing. Like people made quick bucks off of that too. Cause I mean, everyone, I mean, every, everything went up. So yeah, that's how everything worked. went up. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, so it was hard not trade. to make money. Yeah. Like I made well, money I mean, on football cards and I didn't even, yeah. when I got into it, like I didn't have like the ambition of making money off of it. I paid like 70 bucks a box. I should have kept them sealed because they sold for $1,400 seven months later. Um, but like that was just like, I think a lot of people stumbled into it too. Like they had no idea that, that it was going to be worth anything like that. I sent, I just sent an article over private chat. The guy who sold the Charizard for three fifty bought it for $700 in 2009 or 2011. Like it's not, I don't think that's going to happen again. Yeah. I don't think so You're either. Probably right on and that. I think that's where a lot of people are running into trouble is that they have this level of confidence that they're going to be able to make some incredible kind of money in this hobby. And they don't realize that a lot of it, like there were some people who very much thought that Pokemon was undervalued and were right, but the compression of those returns into such a short time period, as we all know, was something no one could have predicted. Like that could have happened over a five to 10 year period, but not a six month period. I mean, that it was just, it's a statistical anomaly, right? It was just the fact of what's happened over the past 18 months is just insanity, you know? So, and there's just this, like, there's people that this is how I think about it is that there's, there's a lower barrier to entry lower than ever on being able to bet on yourself from an entrepreneurial uh, or business standpoint, right? Whether that's um, your perceived skill set as a stock trader or your perceived skill set as a reseller or your perceived skill set as a social media, you know, influencer or whatever it's easier than ever to take a non-traditional route to try to make money. But I'm not convinced that there are more people than ever with the skill set that lends them to be successful in those things. And so I think what we're seeing is a lot of people try to bet on themselves and their perceived skill and knowledge and wisdom or whatever. And some people are using Pokemon as the medium to uh, try to play out that thesis. And I don't think that they realize that it's, it's kind of like I said, that like, you know, you have to really the people who are going to make money in this or the, the high level of transactions on low cost basis stuff that are more of a, that are a business. It's not like a, it's not like trading stocks. It's a it's a business. It is a cash flow producing business structure, right? Versus like this kind of like like what what is even attractive about buying a hundred dollar card and selling it five years later for a hundred and fifty dollars? Like 
what could you have done with that hundred dollars? Like, where could you have put that to, you know, make a much better return than, you know, after fees, taxes, inflation, whatever, making 10 bucks on a 20 bucks. You know what I mean? Like it's, people don't understand the opportunity cost. They get too hyper-focused on the, the thing that's, that's exciting now and that people have already made a lot of money. And it's the same thing I talk about with Bitcoin. Like when I was buying Bitcoin, at a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, like that was when you made the easy money to now. Yes, it was a lot of risk, but like it's fifty x, like yeah. you know, like it's a twenty five to fifty x, depending where you entered there, right? Like even buying at five and ten thousand and fifteen thousand, like you still that was the, like quote unquote easy money right like now it's a totally different ball game when you have more eyes on it when you have like i think about it like like let's say let's use something easier like like bitcoin as an example right but it can extrapolate to buying a card too right like if you bought it at 50,000 and it went to 25,000 now all the people who still have it at 25,000 are scratching and clawing their way to get out close to even or still at a loss, but not as big of a loss all the way back up. And that's so much downward pressure on pricing that you'll see, you can see the same thing in the Pokemon market where it's going to take an astronomical amount of time for the majority of these things, if ever, to re-hit all-time highs that they sold for because there's so much downward pressure on the pricing as people try to exit all the way up. It's easy when people are piling in all the way up to see returns and make money, but it's a lot harder when people are trying to get out all the way back up. It's a, it's a headwind, right? So from a market standpoint, there's a huge headwind from a collecting like Pokemon standpoint, like, I love this shit and it's still super fun. It's wildly interesting and I, I love it and I'll buy things whenever I want at a reasonable price. But like from a, like thinking you're an investor standpoint, like I'm sorry, but like, it's just not going to happen for you. Like the average person is not going to make any sort of needle moving dollar or percentage return on the majority of items here um it's because if it was that easy everyone would be doing it i, I think we, the opportunity is gone because you you have yeah. to buy like cheap raw cards that were could be highly graded and that there are they don't exist anymore yeah i think we had to own it in 2016 you know or 18 or 19 yeah. like or March, or, you could or, only March, February of twenty. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. and that's in in. Uh, but I in in this is you know these are super broad based terms because I think, I think what all of us have always wanted to do was to help the average person understand or to give them a way to protect themselves from themselves. People who are super deep into this hobby, like much deeper even than than we are, perhaps, right? Like there's always opportunity for people like that because they understand where the true dislocations and arbitrage opportunities are. But I mean, there are people with way more knowledge of this hobby than, than myself. And I know they have 
years and legs up on me, but also, you know, sometimes it's just about seeing the right opportunity at the right time, right? And being able to do that, you know, at at a big scale or being able to get the right entry point because of a relationship you have and the right timing and That's all these things. Point. Like, it's a lot you know, of there's, it is, it's a lot of luck. And it's a lot of situational, you know, uh, it's a lot, of, you know, being in the right place at the right time effectively. And also having built the right relationships and putting yourself out there all the time. And then also being, you know, to my phrase that I say, student of the market, a lot of the, you know, continually and knowing that, hey, when, you know, X card sells for a thousand bucks and you have a pretty damn good feeling that it should be like a $2,500 card, that happens. Like these are highly inefficient markets. Like you, you know, I've had that, you know, we've talked about this before where I've snagged a card for, you know, lower dollar amounts, but you know, whatever, 40 bucks, and then immediately flipped it for 200 or 150. Because there's so much inefficiency in these kind of markets, like it just happens like a freaking eBay auction that happens on a Wednesday afternoon that you happen to catch like, that's just when it's about like, it's about participating, you know, but it's also like having the, the knowledge like, when there's 30 seconds left on an auction, you don't have time to go learn about that card, what the pop is, not at all. Price history (laughs) has been what the, what the demand should be like conceptually based on, you know, the, the historical significance and popularity, like, and sorry for going on this rant, but it's just like, it's true though. It's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's a hundred percent true because how it mean that's that's what it comes down to because when i was buying cards like i would spend six to eight six to seven hours a day just looking at the market because that's how you would buy because there were so many people moving in and out you had to know what the prices were at that time otherwise it was hard to to know what you were paying for if it was a good price or not and that Dude, and it came out to it. six to seven hours a day wow oh, yeah, in was, october uh, October, November, and into December. And that's kind of how I was able to find things. Like that's, that was the only way. <laughs> and like, it would be like sporadic. So like I would choose like different times throughout different days to see what was going on or what was ending to kind of get an idea of who was actually bidding on things. Like, and now we know this, like you can tell like at 11 AM, like you, you don't want to be on, you want 11 AM East coast because the West coast isn't up usually. And that's where a lot of the buyers were. They were West Coast, so like it was figuring out that. And like you don't like Connor said, you don't have the time to figure out if the card is worth, if it's going up, like what your value is going to be. You need to already kind of know that. And if you're jumping back in now, like after not being in the market for like three weeks, like you could get burned because you don't know where prices are, and you don't really. There's no like it's hard to even trust the data on eBay because. Like it could be fake too. It's like you kind of have to like live through it. Otherwise it's, it's hard to buy. It's just, you're not going to, you're going to get hurt. It's hard to keep up with alerts too. Like I even trying to keep up with alerts where I'm not even in it all that often. And I just try to keep up with my email and I'm just like, oh my gosh, the volume. That's one thing that I cannot wait to kind of put together with the app is just to get sheer volume on things. 
because I mean, right now we can kind of see that, but to really see, like to be able to step back and look at the market from that perspective, you know, and, and accumulating that in histor with historical data, like adding to that and seeing that over the course of two to three years, that'll be awesome. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. To and that's, that kind of I mean, that's the thing. Like if you're, if you're coming in and you're like, expect, if you're thinking like long-term, like three to five years, I think you'll be okay. If you are thinking like three to five months or even a year to two, like, I think, I don't know if it's going to be, it's not going to be, it might not be worth it. Like it's, you might only make like $15 on a card. You kind of, you, it's kind of like what you do. If you're coming in to like, enjoy it and like, you don't care about how much it costs and like, go crazy, buy whatever you want. But if you're yes. trying to like start something more than that, then you kind of have to look at it as three to five years, not one to two or one to three. Like I'm targeting the 30th anniversary. Like that's the thing right now. Cause they didn't really have a chance to like go crazy for the 25th anniversary. I think they'll do a lot more in the 30th because they'll have the printing machine. They'll have the, the availability of people being able to go out to like these conferences and these events like even the Olympics, like they were going to, I think they probably had more planned for that too, but there was nobody there. Like how they probably might've had something planned for that. I would assume, but like no one could really go to it and interact with it. Um, so I don't, I mean, that'll be interesting too, to see what they have planned for the 30th anniversary. Um, Neo reprint. Can I get a Neo Genesis reprint, please? I want that. I, I mean, hey. or, or Southern Island or anything like that. <laughs> I knew anything. you were about to say Southern Island. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It is like uh, stuff like that. Like, I like very reprints are good. I'm excited for like what they're doing. Like I, mm. like I, I don't know. Like I think, I think some of modern's pretty amazing. Like I think celebrations and 25th anniversary set Japan. Like that's literally like it's that, just that'll look awesome. Anniversary set the Japanese looks, stuff is just so good. Like compared to the English, it looks stuff. awesome. I, I mean, evolving skies. Have you guys seen them? Like the the evolutions, Yo, the art in that. It's great. It's good. I'm, it's good. I'm trying to get a handle on the pull rates, like what's going on, because I'm seeing a lot of great cards everywhere, and it's hard because it's like social media is like you only show your wins type of thing. But like, I've seen people open like the the build and battle deck boxes or whatever they have a few packs and they got like a few more pre-release packs and pull like multiple hyper Dude. rares and stuff and alt arts and all like and i just think like there's a lot of opportunity in the card market for pokemon to do really cool unique things like and guys have talked about this right like one of ones or numbered cards or signature cards or you know what have you like fun. all the things that traditionally we've seen in sports or even marvel like the sketch cards like um which i'm learning more about you know through some of the guys that i like to watch like or you know talk to in the hobby and uh all that stuff, like stuff that I'm traditionally obviously used to with sports too, right? Like numbered cards, like that growing up, like that was always the thing. If you pulled a card and it was numbered, like you That's felt still the good, thing right? now too with those cards. Yeah. yeah it's it's yeah. huge. Yeah. And like one of ones now are more than more than ever a thing. Um like Pokemon has a lot of cool opportunities to do stuff like that. And I'm sure they will. Um they've done amazing things with the art right these alt arts are just crazy good um 
but I still think people are paying too damn much for all this modern stuff. I mean, I just don't. In that, I like, think- I'll 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 pay to open and enjoy modern, but I won't pay that price for a singular card no matter what it is no matter how bad i want it i just like can't like circle that square um i just can't i don't know it doesn't make sense it's just like i would like like i'll just wait like i'll wait this three to six months for the price to come down and like it's just like i don't know like like if you're i just i think people forget like how early on when those cards in like early 1990s like those cards like people forgot about them and that's why the value went up because people just the time factor is huge in those sets modern everyone's just going to keep them nice and sealed and safe and put them in slabs and like there's going to be thousands of them so literally goes into a sleeve and a card saver one as soon as you pull it yeah like come on like and especially if it's japanese like it's it's ridiculous like the amount of quality cards that are going to be around from this era 10 years from now is going to be pretty outstanding like the 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 i mean i've kept track of some of the i've mostly kept track of the you know for personal stuff like the vintage populations but man some of the modern, modern populations it is just crazy yeah modern charizard i'm gonna guess are just gross yeah yeah like if you look at if you look at like hidden fates like half the psa pop is the charizard <laughs> like that's, that's not even in numbers like compares to like what like we've seen like i don't know i feel like a few months ago i looked at evolutions and there were like eight to ten thousand charizards and now there's like fourteen thousand charizards like just the regular like hollow charizard and i'm like it's gonna get worse how did that grow so fast like it's gonna i, get I looked worse. at a it's gonna get way worse and i've looked at a bunch of numbers for the last like six months of of the of the more of the vintage pops but it's like i said before i think the next three to six months are going to be fascinating and this will release after i do this market monday video anyway so i'll be double saying it but just like the next three to six months are what's gonna totally like just like get your popcorn ready like it's gonna be (laughs) fascinating i'm i'm so excited from a from a standpoint of like a person who none of my uh none of my like um like financial standing is tied to pokemon at all meaning like if my house burnt down i lost all like all my pokemon stuff like it would really suck but financially i would be okay i can't imagine having and this is what i said to swami today i'm like i can't imagine if this is like your business or like you've quit your job to like do Pokemon full time or like, like, Oh my God. Like between like, imagine if you were like a middleman who was also like flipping cards and doing all this. And basically you can't get your cards back from PSA. Uh, all the places to middleman to are basically closed and uh, you are just watching the market tank while you have 
however many thousands of dollars of grading fees sitting at PSA. <laughs> like, and I laugh, but it's actually like, I, like, I, how do you just not It's a reality for some. Every day. Yeah, it's scary. it is. And I it's can't probably imagine like, it. There's probably like less people than we think that are like that. Hopefully. Because I think like, hopefully, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of those people like, yeah. have some sort, like a lot of people, well, it's hard because some, like a lot of LGS owners don't like, don't like dabble in the graded card market or never no. have. You know what it's I mean? It. So it's like some, I like, I'm interested to see how some of these businesses have developed that are doing large scale, like raw degrading operations and like what the other parts of their business look like if they have anything to do with Pokemon or not, like it's, it's super interesting, right? Cause some of them are probably sports guys. Some of them are probably totally rando doing something else thing. Like, you know, like people like us who like, but at a larger scale, right. Might have a regular job or whatever, but gosh, people who, who really went all in at the wrong time. That's, that's a scary thought, honestly. Um, it really and you is. haven't even brought up, you haven't even brought up the price increase for booster boxes. Like I, I pre-ordered two Evolving Sky boosters, booster boxes, oh, nice. those booster display Look boxes. At you. I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, honestly, I should have just sent them right over to you and then be like, Oh, so you can open them for you? Yeah, it's a good idea. Send them, <laughs> just, just send them them back. Crazy. I know, right? But but I'm just looking at these prices. Like I paid 147 one. a piece. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't even know what that is. But I mean, it just looks expensive. It looks very cool. <laughs> That's gotta be one of those super rares, but um this is yeah. What it what it what is it? Yeah, Waifu SP. Wednesday? Waifu Wednesday, yeah. So this is an SP Weiss Schwartz card. So there's there's six of these in the full set and they're like faux signature it's cards a beautiful from card. the voice artist. It's 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 I wish I could like describe to you how stunning this is in person. It reminds me of some of the Pokemon full arts, but mm. like even more so. It's just anytime really cool Rudy is selling Weiss. Anytime Rudy is selling oh, yeah. Weiss, I tried to get in on it, but it goes so quickly. Um Yeah. But it's hard. But talking about going back to the prices and the distributor prices, and I don't know what recently everything has come out to, but paying one forty seven per booster box, thirty six packs, that was pretty expensive to me. That's why I only bought two, because I want to get I mean, you know I want to get a taste for the set, but that's pretty high. So you know LGSs, LCSs who like are already working on razor thin margins, you know. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not crazy. Like it, that kind of falls between like Walmart prices for a pack and like Barnes and Noble, (laughs) you know, like, or an LGS, like, cause that's like, what, like four and change a pack or whatever. Like, you're right. You're right. It is what it is now. Right. Like it's, you know, one of the things that I will say, that was the thing. They were cheaper. When I got Vivid Voltage, they were like $75. Of, they were $500 for six boxes. Like, I don't think that's ever going to happen again now. 
right? Oh, absolutely you know? not. And and I'm not going to lie. The other thing too that kind of messes with that price point for me is is I'm very much used to buying draft boxes from Magic the Gathering, and I'm paying mm -hmm. like eighty, eighty five, maybe ninety at the most, mm -hmm. unless I go to an LGS and I'm paying like a hundred and twenty. Yeah. Well, so I I mean I mean now. It was just surprising to me because I'm used to that price range and I'm like, holy shit, all the ETBs are sold out. Those were in the like the 45-ish range before tax, you know, mm -hmm. all the ETBs on the Pokemon Center website. This is Pokemon Center website. And I was just, mm -hmm. I was, I was shook, but I'm really excited for the set. I, I'm really excited to see where that goes because I think a lot of people will be really happy with it. And I did have a conversation with PokerGal. I know she skipped. The one that just came out and she's interested in the evolving skies and i don't blame her mm. yeah yeah it was probably yeah. the good choice i did i probably I, you know i bought a little bit of chilling rain i have a little bit of evolving skies but not like i could really skip it mostly just because i love dv heroes so much and i'm cool with it but I did get the Pokemon Center exclusive ETBs to for display pieces. Oh, nice. Um, because they Those have the pretty. evolutions on them. Yeah, I thought they yeah. were cool. Like, I thought they would be cool to keep, um, to kind of complement the EV Heroes stuff I have. But do you do I get them in? I would rather just... Have they no, already they shipped? Haven't, they haven't shipped yet. No, they were pre-order. I think... Uh, Is it the 26th? It's like 12 or days from now. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think mm. you're right. Yeah, it's, it's the 14th, so the 26th, I think, mm. yeah. Um, mm. But no, I'm much more interested in basically buying as much 25th anniversary stuff as I can get my hands on. But only certain products. I think that, like, what's been great is because we know so much about what's coming out. There have been so many people who have been able to put together videos and say, hey, here's the best bang for your buck. And luckily... <laughs> the things that i kind of wanted the most are the best bang for your buck so that's great <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah no doubt no doubt they, they have a lot of great I, products I coming out before yeah and that's you know i've said this before but it's like it may, it's hopefully going to make it really accessible for a wide array of people like i think a lot of people will like this could be their first foray back into pokemon like if if the if the marketing around this goes right I think we could see a lot of people uh, come in for the first time. I just hope they can get their hands on it, you know? And they are doing a lot of reprints of a lot of those vintage cards, like the Charizard. So it, it's kind of, I like how they are, you know, tailoring it for us in a way. Because, I mean, oh, those, sure. those are the ones that, that, that we recognize. And so bringing even more of us back into the hobby, which is always a good thing. Yeah. It's always fun. And it helps it's people always, like remember thing. the historical significance, right? Like help them understand like the history of Pokemon. Like I'm trying not to look at all the spoilers because I just want like I know there's like <laughs> literally a video out there with like every single card now that leaked. I don't know, like someone stole a pack of cards from the some Kentucky manufacturing plan or something i don't know i like i'm bad at keeping up with that stuff guys i'm sorry but like my brain only has so much space but how dare you something like that how dare you? yeah gosh god forbid but yeah <laughs> well you know it's honestly hard. like hard like don't you feel like you almost have to like know everything sometimes and then like 
it's it's hard people expect you to like know everything like people will ask random questions sometimes and i'm like how would i ever know that like or remember that like there's only so much that can fit in one's brain about pokemon but oh my god i don't know it's that is so true i have a i have alerts for like 10 to 12 10 to maybe 15 different keywords uh you know like with those google alerts right just to keep up on news and i get them twice a day and it is hard like my inbox now is perpetually like i i'm the kind of person that if i have like notifications on things i need them to disappear person yeah yeah and 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 now i'm like i'm I'm sitting at 29 right now yeah, I'm sitting at 29 because I can't keep up with these alerts, you know, and I have a what lot of I did for well, emails really is I that turned right. off the notifications so that it doesn't even show the number on the icon. And I just pretend it's not <laughs> happening. Oh, I get like see. 50 a day from I get like 50 a day from eBay. Oh, gosh, that, like, keeping up with those is hard. 1145 alert update. Yeah. It's like 50 oh, my 60 gosh. of them now. But it's like, I'm thinking about turning, you know, it's hard. It's hard. I've thought of, I, you know, I, I try to turn them off selectively most days. Like a lot of times I'm just looking for the number on some of them, but it's hard because it's Mm, not even super helpful because relistings show up in that. Right. So like, I'll have like, I don't know. That's true. PSA 10 Pikachu promo. And I just want to see how many listings are hitting the market every single day and just directionally where something like that's going, right? Um, And then, you know, it's some stuff you want to buy and some stuff that you're just interested in and some stuff that's market, you know, study related. So, but it's like, yeah, I'm with you. It's a lot. You know what though, with with how I have it set, and I'm thinking about changing it. Um, I have it set to. I have a few. I have a set to where like I'll see any Pokemon listing that's there. So like no specifications, mm. just Pokemon, right? And then yeah. I have another alert where it's Pokemon, but anything that's sold over a thousand. And honestly, that email in particular is the mm. one that pisses me off all the time because I always see dumbass bullshit. Where it's like, oh, this Charmander sold for a thousand dollars, and it's 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 literally a unlimited base set. It it looks like trash. It's it, legit. It's it. Oh, it's legit. I'm looking at one right now. I'm looking at one right now. It says 1995 Charmander Pokemon card. It is just a base set, unlimited Pokemon card, and it sold for a thousand dollars. And I'm just like, come on, this it just it makes me mad. <laughs> and What's and honestly, I probably need to change it. That you guys have. Like, what's the one you like to look at the most or that you have that you, like, find most interesting? Yeah. Um, I actually have one for Bowman Chrome Autos because uh, I try to mm. keep in touch with baseball, too. Nice. Just to see, like, just to see what people are listing and, and, and see what players are popular, like, which, which ones people are thinking are prospecting, you know? that That's really interesting because there's a few guys that I'm prospecting right now um so yeah that's kind of what what i watch yeah mine's first edition ross so it's been that way for <laughs> like almost for a year it almost a year. <laughs> that's so awesome. that's the one i use but i i turned it off in was it april just because there was nothing 
it was first edition Raza were coming out that looked like someone had chewed on them and then put them on the bed sheets. So <laughs> it was it wasn't ideal. Oh, or they wanted five dollars a card, which I'm not paying. Gosh, that's too. I mean, funny. they they were yeah. nice. I would sell them for five dollars each, but I wouldn't buy them for five dollars. Exactly. You know, what anytime drawing toad. Anytime oh, yeah. I see raw cards on a on a bed sheet. I think of you, James, because of that one sale. <laughs> I need to send those listings to you when I see them. You probably already have seen them <laughs> by the time I'm sending them your way, but I think if of that you, every single time. Oh, well, the best part was the ship sending the shipping instructions too. That was fun, also. Yes, that's wild. <laughs> that oh was. I mean, the cards were the cards were great. So I can't. And then I also got a ride shoe out of it too, which gave me for like sixty bucks. That was. That was just an incredibly lucky. Like, like, how did you come out of that with minty cards? You know so what I'm I, saying? Well, that was the thing was, I was in December. People started panicking and wanted to sell because they were worried that it wasn't going to keep going up. Um, Canada James, when I spoke to him, he already told me like in January that he had wished he had not sold to me because he didn't think it was going to keep going up in value because he sold to me in November. But like a lot of people just thought it was like this bubble that was going to pop. So they and wanted to just such- sell as fast as possible and just get money as they could. And Canada James sold you like all those cards for four less than four dollars a card, right? Something crazy. So he was selling me basically low. like makeshift like packs, like pack fresh cards that so his dad made him when he opened them in like two thousand, he made him put on a sleeve and put them in a top holder. And that's how he stored his cards. And I'm like Okay, well, you're like 1% of the people that actually did that. That is a shit ton of top loaders. Uh, yeah, it's because he had 1,300 cards. Um, but he was basically, a lot of people wouldn't buy from him because of the high shipping. And I was like, fuck shipping. Mm. You're selling me pack fresh cards that are going, they're like $2 a piece, and I'm getting a guaranteed rare. And he told me if I bought a certain amount of packs, he'd give me hollows too. So I was like, okay, how many do I need to buy? So like I was paying like maybe it's probably the highest I paid was like three or four dollars per card, but I was getting a hollow rare. So it kind of made it worth it to do that. Um, I thought he sent all of his hollows in for grading. So he sold me some, but he so he's got Typhlosion 17, 18. He's got um, what else did he have? He had all those hollows from those Neo sets. He has all of them. Um, he also had Gym Challenge. He had a bunch of those too. He that's where I got the Ditto and the the Giovanni from him as well. And then he had a bunch of uncommons and commons that he um, that he sold too. Um, but he had he had so many cards. But I think he's still waiting to get those cards back because he I haven't I haven't talked to him in probably six months. But I think he had said he had like I think they were like eight or nine months away when I last spoke to him. So I hope I'm when he when they come, come back. back. Yeah, that's yeah. I, mean, I, I, I want to see him. He should open up an Instagram account. You should tell he, him. So he has an Instagram him. account, but he doesn't post cards. He just, I'll send it to you afterwards. Um, but he just, he's, I mean, he, I think he had, like, he had, he collected the cards with his dad. He had them. And then I think he forgot about them for 15, 20 years. And then all of a sudden started sending and started wanting to sell them because they were worth something finally again. And people were talking about them. Hey, that was I mean, free money for a lot of people. 
in a time where a lot of people really needed some money. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And that's, and that there was just so much opportunity to buy stuff like that because providers were educated on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They had no idea. It was, it's the best situation to be in, right? Where like those people gave up upside, but they needed it. And we were able to buy things and provide that liquidity in a way that wasn't going to be a detriment to us because we were really lucky to be in a situation where we were still doing fine when a lot of people were, you know, in dire straits. You know? So I was actually going to offer to buy his complete set, but then I told him like, you probably don't want to do that because these are worth X, Y, and Z. Like I was, I think we were negotiating, but it was going to be 1300 cards for like $3,000, all of them, everything he had for three grand. But then I was like, well, you might want to check out this and look into this. And I gave him your podcast too, Jess, just to listen to it. And he's like, oh, so maybe I shouldn't sell these for that. I'm like, you probably shouldn't. Um, which I kick myself for for not buying all those cards for. That would have no, been. No, but that's being. Margin. But then I, but then I wanted good. to like help him because he was nice. He wasn't like because I dealt with sellers that were like assholes, and I was like, okay, fuck you. I'm not gonna help you out then. But like that's I didn't want to like rip him off because he was he just didn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like. Too. When- when you're in the when you're in the space where like let's put it this way like you're you're in a good financial position we're kind of like making excess money here through basically some arbitrage and some hard work like we can make that conscious choice to be really kind and good to both people buying from us and people we're buying from and like I I think it puts us in a better situation to not get greedy as long as we yeah. stay grounded there. But like, I have no problem. Like, like I'll have people like if I post cards to my IG story for sale and people will be like, you know, I get paid on Friday. Like, can I buy it then? Or like next week, whenever, you know, if the 15th falls on like the next Wednesday or stuff like this happens. And I'm like, like, if you like, if, if, if you don't have the money for it, like you probably shouldn't buy it. Like I have no problem telling that to someone. I think, I think that's the only way that we can continue to help like the hobby from a card standpoint, move forward is if we do everything we can as collectors, but people who are also selling into this to like be better stewards of the hobby in that we're like, we're like not, undercutting or being you know bad sellers uh and like taking advantage of people because the more people that get burned like what is it to make an extra like 10 percent on something if people just keep falling out of the hobby because of that and if everyone's doing that it's not Mm -hmm. worth it because then like because at the end of the day i think all of us need to just remember like that we love pokemon and we love these hobbies and it like sounds cliche but like you have to like kind of like be protective of the hobby you do and you and part of that is you know being that good steward and being someone who doesn't you know backstab and undercut people and helps things progress forward you know or call modern product options like a schmuck (laughs) (laughs) well yeah 
You know, I mean, and to your point too, there's plenty of money to be made for everyone. There's plenty of money to be made for everyone. So, you know, there's a lot going around. You don't have to be scummy to to really make like legitimate money. And it's funny that you say that too, because I drafted uh, my roundup that's coming out tomorrow morning. Um, I already drafted it. It's scheduled. It's good to go. And literally that's one of the things that I bring up. You know, if if we don't take care of the hobby as it is right now, and make sure um, one of the points that I made was if we don't make sure children have plenty of opportunities to experience the hobby with positive feelings at this time around, we're, we're prioritizing short-term gain for our long-term gain because then we, we may not see, you know, who knows what kind of an impact it'll have on those larger, gener- on, on, on the generations moving forward, but it could have a negative impact where they don't re-enter the market, which is again, going back to how you create a stable market is the next generation comes in and is able to continue to prop the market up. So, I mean, you, you took it from a different perspective, but it's the same concept. You know, we have to make sure mm-hmm. to also try and take care of people in the hobby, because if we see people leave the hobby with due to negative experiences, negative feelings, like holding the bag on something, you know, and sometimes that those, those situations are going to be, it is what it is. Like that's an, is what it is kind of conversation, but more situation, but to your point, you know, just, like letting people know, hey, you know, you could probably get that for a lot more, even though right now I want to buy it. And I would really benefit from not telling you this information. Yeah. I mean, some yeah. people, are, they, they put themselves in that position where they can't do that. They, their, their margins are like, they kind of have to be, unfortunately, they put themselves in a position where they have to be kind of scummy, which isn't an excuse, but like, that's, that's a scary part of the market that could be happening when this, when December, November come around, people need money and they're like, how do I prop up a product that I know is not worth something, but I can make, I can use my influence to try to prop it up. And that I think is going to happen more often too. And I think it's happening with modern. And like we, I mean, people, we know of content creators that do that. And that's a problem that hasn't, I don't mean, I don't think it's been brought to light yet just because I don't think people know any better except for unless you kind of have been in the market, you kind of understanding, but people coming in, like they don't know if someone who has 10,000 followers, like they expect them to be trusting and have the correct information. They might just fall for that trap and they'll be in the market for a month and then get burnt and they'll be out of the market, which isn't ideal for us long-term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really wish those people would just like stay in their lane. Yeah. Like, like if you, create a certain type of content then stop talking about things you don't understand just because you feel like you have a large following and ability to make some more money off of it or feel like you should be talking about you know the money side of things or whatever like if you're an entertainer just entertain right dance monkey dance but don't start trying to talk about you know markets and fundamentals and you know investing and or on the other side like a lot of people like will talk about um they will speak as if they have information about the pokemon company or the like distributor level information or like all these things where like 
they're not even in that conversation. Like I would never try to talk about like what's going on from like the supply side of Pokemon because I have no it's all to that whatsoever. I don't yeah. run an LGS. I don't have a distributor license. Like I don't know anything about that. All I know about is traditional market investing, a love for Pokemon, how those intersect and how investor psychology works. Like I will stay in my lane. Like, and it, 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 it gets really frustrating where like, that's where so many people so easily get burned is when these people start talking about like investing and like not to beat a dead horse, but they just start talking about that. And, you know, that information is being disseminated to a ton of people. And honestly, you know, I really do think that unfortunately there's going to be another hype cycle probably this year, depending on what happens with kind of the world as an overlay. But I like, come on, we're, they're doing another freaking first edition base set box break in the fall. Like history tends to repeat itself, right? And you mix together 25th anniversary and getting into that seasonality of the hobby and, you know, this box break and who's doing box break and gary and uh, i don't know exactly who's involved but i know gary's involved and it's like an event maybe aoki's with him doing oh is that the one where they're doing are they doing metazoo and they're doing first edition oh i don't know i don't know if they're doing metazoo Uh, i i did see something about that but i don't know if that was the same i didn't know if it was first edition or that was the same break but this like this has been planned for a long time. I know mm. um, it's in Vegas, I think, but I don't think there's like, that would make sense. That's not like in an yeah. event to go to. Yeah. But I know like they talked about it months and months ago. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Logan Paul does anything again. Like it's, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity to people to sell stuff in, into hype again. It might, it's not going to be, I don't think the same level, by any means but there's i would hope not there's no and that's why it's like there's all the right headwinds in place for like the market to do poorly but there's also these just weird tailwinds of like we might get a short-term perfect storm where honestly like that's why like people who are very deep in the hobby like may be considering buying now because there's certain parts certain opportunities that I think are going to be a short-term play on this market. And it's just like whether or not you want to make money like that or put the time and effort into it. Right. And Jess, I think it's super interesting that you're like looking at Bowman Chrome, like baseball players and stuff. Cause I think like a lot of the opportunity kind of in this space is probably elsewhere, right. Where there's less eyes or more, you know, I don't know, just, uh, I think less like, I don't know how to say it, but like less like social momentum around it, basically, right? Like, um, you know, like I, for one, will continue to be thinking about Harry Potter oriented items going into a 25th anniversary and know what? 
I will say it because not enough people are going to listen to me for it to affect what I'm doing, but I will continue to search and look in different places for specific items because they're doing a lot of cool stuff next year over the whole year. And I think it's going to be like really interesting. And then they're I know putting out new cards, Harry Potter. No, like stuff with the book, like stuff. Oh, with the books. gotcha. And they're doing no. like a, they're doing like these. Um, it's I guess you could call it like a museum sort of thing, but it's going to be like touring. And they're doing a re like I just pre-ordered. There's like a reprint of the first book, uh, with like different art in it, and like a special like seal on the front i forget but it's like and it's not like limited edition but once they're gone you know they're gone next year like and they're doing a lot of stuff a lot of there's a whole article with all these different events they're doing and and different you know things they're coming out with products and whatnot and are the tours all in like, london no like the things in like philly to start oh Philly's okay the first place this thing is and then um and then I think the goal is for it to be like toured around and go, you know, I'm assuming mm, it would go to New York city nice. and maybe LA who knows, but, but no, I think like, if you like it, like if you, if you, my problem is like, there's so many other things I do that like, I just love Pokemon. So like I'm involved in this hobby. Right. And then like, I love Harry Potter. So I do that stuff. Right. Like I literally just rewatched all the movies. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> But like, I just don't have the time personally to go and dive into a bunch of other like collectible hobbies that are probably, you know, under, you know, flying under the radar that have a lot of opportunity. Like I would rather like spend my time doing other things, but some people like that's like a better use of their spare time. Um, and I think that's where people who, want to spend time in this ecosphere should be spending more of their time is not where all the eyes are which is pokemon but right? where they're not yeah but where they're not yeah so but like i think people should just like enjoy the hobbies they like and not like try to like make something out of nothing because there's a lot of risk there you know like and I don't, I There's don't think the average risk. person has enough like financial wherewithal. Like the biggest thing I worry about is that like most of the people who are involved in this Pokemon market don't even have a savings account or a traditional brokerage account or a Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. A lot of them probably don't have like 401ks at work. Like a lot of people just like don't have financial stability. And that's like, we've talked about this before. Like that worries mm -hmm. me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Well, you know, going back to your point about, you know, someone sticking maybe with one market versus learning multiple collectible categories. So this book that I've been trying to get through, um, Killer Stuff mm. and the Money, um, which is about the antique world, right? And what's really interesting about these guys these guys in the antique world have been in it for so long. They know so many categories on things. Honestly, how the author uh, Maureen Stanton describes them as being like a little bit of historians, which is which is really interesting to me because because 
it takes a long time to learn these things, but once you learn it, you get really good at it. So when you start to go to those flea markets, you can find some really good stuff and you know exactly what you're looking for. And I think like, like for me, at least I want to try to get there with at least one, but ideally because I'm looking at everything from a long term, because all the things I collect are things that I love. Like, you know, at first I thought it probably isn't possible for me to learn all of them, but I think seeing these antique folks like really, really focus in on, on learning these things and just getting experience and it takes years and it takes time. I mean, that, that'll be really interesting. I don't know. I, I, I hope to get there at, at least with, with a few, um, at least with a few, I don't know if I can do everything, but, but I, I'm with you. I, I don't know. That's awesome goal though. You know, yeah. that's super cool. I feel like, like I've gotten, I'm starting, I'm on the path there with Pokemon. And I think for me, it's probably enough for me. Like maybe some of this stuff or like other, I don't know, like maybe specific anime or like Harry Potter, like I could delve deeper into from that standpoint. But um, I do just really enjoy because there's so much to learn about pokemon that even i haven't scratched over the years like always something is always coming up that i don't know about or that i've never like like for gosh sakes i'd never even seen that cp6 secret rare charizard before until the other day and i'm like how did i not know this existed what like I want to know more about this. Like, and I just immediately write it down in my notes to like look into later and like understand, you know, what the history of that card has been so far, like blah, 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 whatever. And then obviously the same for like, you know, all the interesting vintage stuff, but I, uh, there's just only so much time, you know, only so but, much time, only so much that's time. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And 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 when you and when you bring more markets or more categories into the mix, it it makes decision making harder because to your point, what you brought up earlier, sometimes people don't realize opportunity costs. And you did talk about this on a market Monday when you said you're probably not gonna make money on your Pokemon cards. Your money might just be better served in a Roth IRA if you're pure purely thinking about it from an investment perspective. But, you know, that's the other thing too, that I've been struggling a little bit with, you know, when I am looking at the Bowman Chrome cards, like, Hmm, interesting. Do I go for these cards or do I go for a Pokemon or like, like mm. I, I was thinking about it the other day when we were talking about that vending series sheet, um, mm. that we had gotten weeks ago. I, I, and you and I, we had talked about it, you know, I was thinking to myself, hmm, okay, so do I put this money in an Otani card or do I get this vending series, you know, card yeah. sheet that I can peel? Opportunity you cost know? is hard, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, especially when it comes to hobbies, because it's like, it's like, it's like entertain, there's entertainment money. And then there's like money that you're putting in on an opportunity that you think is something that you can flip or that is an investment like and there's you know like those three types really like there's you know flip store values and and longer term investments right but there's all that and then there's so that compared to the opportunity cost of putting that money in traditional markets or putting that money you know paying down debt with that money for gosh sakes like so doing, many doing a lot of things that create 
create a return, either instant or longer term, potentially. And that, you know, opportunity, opportunity cost is, is always like, it's the, it's one of the toughest factors to like decide about, you know? Oh, oh, 100%, 100%. And something that I did want to bring up, because I just looked at it. Holy crap. Okay, so this is immediately becoming a two parter episode. <laughs> it, it's it's gonna have to be it's gonna cut me off. I know, right? Absolute shocker, right? Um, which I still can't believe the one with polka gal, it just immediately it didn't tell me that it was going to cut it off short to what 75, 75 minutes or something like that. And, yeah, and weird. yeah, my host just automatically did. It and I was like, Oh, shit. So yeah, I'm gonna definitely have to split this up into two parts. But um, this is this has definitely been good. I don't know how you guys are doing on time. Uh, we can go for a little bit more if you uh, we can do a little bit. Good. How about you, James? Yeah, I'm yeah. fine. I'm getting a little tired, but I'm doing all right. <laughs> Is that beer? No, it's not. I wish. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I was going to say someone brought beer, which <laughs> isn't a bad idea. Um, no, but it has, my, sure. it's in my cool Pokemon glass. So at least there's that. Okay. So we do have to see the Pokemon glass now. Oh, it's awesome. It's so awesome. It has all 151 on it. What? They're that is so cool. cool. Yeah. They're so dope. Oh man, where does one get such things? It was um this place glass to mouth. And so they were sold out because I like waited too long to buy it. And OG Ryan at OG Retro had one. And I waited too long and I ended up missing it. And then I messaged them and they were like, Hey, we found an extra. And so I got super lucky. So I basically got like the last one. So it's very <laughs> Oh, those cool. are fun. Yeah, oh, those are awesome. Cool. You know, one thing that I do need to get that is obviously not cards related, but Pokemon related is I need to get Pokemon threads. Like I need some shirts. I need some hats. I need some. I noticed the Togepi earlier. I noticed yeah. it. <laughs> some dude called me out of my YouTube comments because I pronounce it Togepi. And he's like, I love that you put out content, but you need to learn how to pronounce this. And he like gave me a link to like an anime episode. And I'm like, bro, I just It's don't not care. that serious. Sorry. <laughs> oh Wait, God. how did you say it? Did you say Tojapi? Tojapi, yeah. Oh, that does sound just a little cringy though. Like, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just playing with you. I mean, but honestly, some of these, some of these newer ones, like I don't know if they're black and white generation. They probably are. If I don't like it, if I don't like the design of the Pokemon, I kind of assume that it's probably black and white. But some of them I don't even know how to say. And and I needed to learn just from other people saying it. For a long time, I couldn't say Rayquaza because it just, the, the spelling didn't make sense to me. So I don't know if I'm the only one on that, but surely not. Which... um. Which reminds me, I have been debating. So I've got a Shining Fates ETB that I got at Target like a number, like maybe last year, something for like the $35. You know, it's on sale, right? The Target on sale ETB Shining Fates. And last time I looked, that was going for like over 100 which kind of blew my mind a little bit. I'm debating whether or not to flip it. Just because I don't plan on doing anything with it. I'm just going to sit on it. I don't know. You should just open it so that it's modern. No. 
because I'm not like you. I'm not like you, but I'll send it over there to you. <laughs> I should have brought it with me when you were in Chicago. Why didn't I do that? I should have just brought all the stuff that I needed you to open. I still need to open up some Strixhaven. I don't know if any of you guys bought Strixhaven uh, Magic the Gathering set. I did. But you did? Okay. Mm-hmm. So did you hit anything really good? I mean, I really enjoyed it. It's just that those that collector's packs are so expensive. Um, yeah. That yeah. it was crazy. Yeah, I've got... They're in. They're all in that box over there. I gotta go through them again. But did you um, like the alt art, the Japanese alt art? Yeah, the that Japanese looks sick. alt arts were sick. Yeah, they were really, really cool. I really enjoyed those. Oh, yeah, those are those are definitely fun. I need to I need to open them every time I go to Target. If I see one of those like half, it's not even like a full draft box. It's like one of those half boxes where you get like ten packs. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I bought some of the Japanese regular packs and then I bought like one or two of the, cause those collector's packs are like 20 bucks or whatever they were. Oh my God. So, they're yeah. Like 20, 22. I just recently oh saw for one of the newer sets, it might be historic horizons or modern horizons too. They were going for something like 39 bucks. It was, it was kind of crazy. I, I have some, some like a, collector packs from aquaria and i bought them at 15 and now they're going at something like 25 last time i checked those those collector packs are are can sometimes be you know definitely worth that money i don't know about opening them but if you like strixhaven then i would suggest gate ruler because Mm. the the like that kind of like feel of like that very just almost over the top artwork but it's like very flashy like full beautiful hollow like almost that etched card like some of those etched cards that are in Strixhaven and Magic Mm -hmm. like the artwork's pretty beautiful so yeah yeah absolutely absolutely well hey guys um this has been a good one. This has definitely been good. Um, I think we hit a lot of topics, huh? Yeah, yeah. We we definitely hit a lot of different places. Um, I really like it. I think there's going to be a lot of cool clips from this. But um, what I will say is uh, we should probably wrap up. So if you guys want to kind of let people know where they can find you, we can start there. Go ahead, James. Can you go first? All right. Okay, I can go so. first. Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> My computer's lagging too, so like you start, then I start, then you start, so it's weird, but go ahead. No, 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 you go. Okay. <laughs> you probably cut this out just at the end. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram. Um, my card account is first edition Pokemon cards. Um, and you can find me on there. And then my main Instagram, which I keep forgetting the name, which is super productive. Let's see. Uh, that one is just, <laughs> that one's just my name, James Damon, and then nine at the end. And you can find me on there. But I don't post any cards on the main one, but 
see pictures of person though the dog um <laughs> he's a cutie that's what you want he's definitely awesome. a cutie that's um, all you connor sweet well you guys can find me roc rock pokemon that's for rochester <laughs> where i'm from not the thing you find in the ground roc pokemon on instagram and also on YouTube, where you can find my Market Monday videos, where I just kind of talk about a part of the part of the hobby or or a, a different piece of investing uh, strategy or or thought process. So, um, yeah, Instagram and YouTube is what I do. Connor Rock Pokemon. Thanks for having us on, Jess. This is awesome. Hell yeah! No, I appreciate y'all coming on. So we're gonna have to do another marathon. Yeah, great. Probably, you know. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe October or maybe when celebrations comes out, that'll be really cool. Just see where things are at. Cause it, it's possible. It could be yeah. totally different, but yeah. Anyways. Well, I appreciate oh, you guys. All the slabs getting released. <laughs> oh my God. I Team know, rocket right? blasting off at the speed of light. Oh my gosh. Oh, that is so cute. We need to, we need to seriously, I'm going to find you a mouth mask. I, I really am. Oh my God. I am. So I funny. I don't think I own one even Meowth card anymore, even though I should. I don't think I do. I can't remember. But we'll send you funny, some. Guys. We'll send you some. <laughs> Anyways, y'all, I appreciate it. Um, have a good night and hey y'all too. See y'all on IG. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, guys.